turning on the speaker. Well, this one works pretty well, so I think I'll just, uh, I'll just use it. Well, I wanted to share with you guys this morning uh, about the topic of my third book. Now, it's my third book because I couldn't finish the first two. <laughs> it was, they were such a jumble of a mess, I just tossed them in the trash and I uh, started again with a new topic and this topic is, uh, well the, the title of it has changed uh, many times, but um, I was telling Andy that, uh, and we were, we were roommates at business school and, and so he knows a lot of my deficiencies, but I was telling him that uh, I was working on my third book and he, he said, wow, that is amazing. I, I didn't know you could read, much less write a book. <laughs> and and he, he comes by that because I'm going to share a quick story with you about our years at uh, business school. We had this one class called Management Communication. And I was a, I was a geology major with a, a uh, area of concentration in physics. I could do math just fine, but having to write something down has always been a challenge. And, and we, uh, all we had to do was write three to six pages on each topic on how we would communicate with this big problem that was going on in the industry or how we would talk to our employees about something. Well, I also couldn't type, so I would go to the Harvard Library and have these, uh, this African woman who was a secretary type my papers for me. And after about the third paper, we had struck up a friendly conversation. And she said, well, where are you from? I said, well, I'm from Oklahoma. She said, oh, oh yeah, but where are you uh, from originally? I said, well, I was born in Texas. I lived all over Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi. But really, I'm from Oklahoma. She said, no, no, what I mean is, what, uh, what is your first language? <laughs> I said, well, well, I, I mean, I only speak English. No! You speak English and you write like this? How did you get in here? And we still don't know how I got in there. We, didn't, we still don't know how I got to that school. But it was, I, I, despite all of her good efforts, I still did not pass that class, I have to say. So now you know what a struggle it is. Well, I have worked on this ever since 2000 when I read a book called Raising a Modern Day Knight by Robert Lewis, who's a pastor in Arkansas. And I thought, man, what a great idea. I have three sons, but now I have four. But at the time, I had three sons. I would love for them to be modern day knights. I mean, that wanted them to be noble characters and you know, live life well. And so I, I was reading the book, and, um, and it's, it's a motivational book. It is great, except it doesn't tell you what to do. I mean, it tells you some good stories just about uh, creating fellowship with, with men and, and uh, a few of the adventures he went on, and he gives you a definition of manhood. And his definition went like this. A man is someone who rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, leads courageously, and expects the greater reward, God's reward. And I thought, after I read that and went through the book, I thought, that's, that's not wrong. It just seems incomplete. Like, what is, uh, what are, it talks about leading and taking responsibility, but what about following obediently? What about the charge in Micah 6, 8, where he says, what, does, what do I require of you, O man, but to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God? I thought, well, how, 
You know, let's look in the Bible and see what did Jesus do? That might be a good place to start. How did it work for him? So I'm going to read you the one short section in the Bible about Jesus' growing up years. So, you, I mean, there's a story of his birth. That's, you know, that's in all the Gospels. But here's a story in Luke about his visit to Jerusalem when he was 12 years old. So from uh, second chapter of Luke. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents were not aware of it. But supposed him to be in the caravan, and went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in amidst the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me. Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And then the very last verse of that, of chapter 2 says, and this is a description of, of the years from 12 to, 20, to 32 or 33. 20-year time span. This is the, all that they tell us. He grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man. And then right next, in, in the next chapter 3, he's being baptized by John the Baptist. And in that story, it says that the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came down from heaven, descended on him, and the words from heaven came, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So anytime I look at some scripture, I try and ask three questions about it. What? So what? And now what? So let's take a look real quick at the what, so what, now what of that whole section. I'll start with the, the section in Luke. So what was it? What, what, are they, what are they communicating here? Well, one, they're communicating... Traditions and obedience. His parents had the tradition of going to Passover. That was one of the Jewish customs. They followed the customs, so they were obedient to their traditions. Jesus was obedient to them. When they told him to come back to Nazareth with them, he came. He was subject to them. It's also a story of how we should grow. Wisdom, stature, favor with God, and favor with man. So... Those aren't, those aren't the easiest things to figure out and to find. But we're gonna, I'm going to unpack those a little bit later. But what about the, the uh, story in the next chapter in Luke? The, the, the what is, there was a dove, and the Holy Spirit in the form of the dove descended on him. He heard the words, my beloved son in whom I well pleased. So what? So what do we do about that? Well, the what is, or what is it? The what is, 
There's physical affection, the Holy Spirit descending on him from a dove. And in the transfiguration, it said a cloud enveloped him. That was the Holy Spirit. So there's physical affection, words of love. His father spoke words of love to him and words of affirmation. The now what? So I'm taking my game plan for how to create this journey to manhood for my sons from these, these uh, lessons. So the now what is how you show physical affection. And for us, we, we, still, we still hug. They're grown men today. We still hug. I still kiss them on the cheek every time I see them. But as kids, I wrestled with them. I made sure we had physical contact together. And then speak love. I can't do that enough. I did not do it enough, and I still, none of us can do that enough. Speaking love into people. Giving praise. Now, I shared this with the last group. My wife has discerned my spiritual gift. It's not speaking praise, it's the gift of criticism. I do that really well. <laughs> so that is, um, that's really kind of a, a counter uh, gift. That's really, when you're speaking criticism, you're, you're really cursing instead of praising. But the, uh, the Father showed us that Speaking words of praise are really important. It's really important for our kids. It's really important for our spouses. It's really important for our friendships. It's an important thing to do that, that we and me, we need to concentrate on and do. And the last thing that, that he did in that is bestow a, a blessing. And so the blessing, uh, bestowing a blessing for us, we structured this way. So I had four, at this time I had three boys. I have a fourth one now, but I've created the, what's called a journey to manhood, and we spent nine months with four other families, well, fathers and sons, and we would have an adventure every month and a lesson every month. Now, the first time I did this, it, it was pretty lame and sort of petered out, except we did have a great celebration with, at the end where we had men come together, read their letters of affirmation to my son, and that was, that was special. I did it the second time, and it was a little bit better, but still the wheels were very wobbly. I did a third with the third son, and I got the structure a little bit closer to something that he'll remember. And, uh, and we, would, we would do, incorporate into our adventures things like uh, teaching them. We tried to make it so we could teach them something in the process. One of those would have been serving at Community First in Austin, where we helped that's a community of homeless people, and we help them build their garden and help them weed their garden and help them plant. And just to give my boys exposure both to the people who were in need and actually doing something. So we, uh, then my fourth son came along, and let me tell you, my fourth son is eight years younger than my third son, 14 years younger than my oldest son. So he's really an only child with five parents. <laughs> And he gets lots of uh, praise and coaching from, from all of his siblings. But it, my fourth son, by this time, um, I think, man, I've got this refined. And I, I, I learn something every time I do this. But this time, we, st we launched off, and I thought, okay, my first time, I had, all, I had dads flaking out on me halfway through. So I, we're going to get everybody to sign a contract. So we, we, my fourth son, we had all the kids, all the dads sign a contract. And what I learned that time, we, we still had things fall apart on that first try, so we rebooted a, another try, 
because the wives weren't on board. So this last time we had the fathers, the sons, and the wives be on board, sign the contract, and we involved the wives in part of the, uh, part of the process. They were involved with, we'd have a meal with them. Uh, each month we'd have a meal that they would prepare, and then we'd have a dinner just to teach the boys how to use etiquette and how to treat a woman. So the moms got involved in that, and it works so much better when mom's involved. Okay, well, so how do you impart wisdom, stature, favor with God, and favor with man? That, that's what our exercise was about in these nine months that we did this. Now, wisdom is a hard thing, and the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, awe and reverence for the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom. And it talks about pursuing as, as you would gold. And it talks about how it cries aloud in the street, but it doesn't give you a great game plan for how to become wise. So that verse in Proverbs that says wisdom cries aloud in the street, I did a little bit of study on that. And the best I can tell, it means that you have got to be an observer. You've got to be an observer of God's word, you got to be an observer of God's creation, and you got to be an observer of God's people and what's happened through the years. You know, so you can learn from history, you can learn from counselors, you can learn from advisors, but you can learn from God's Word, and you can learn from His creation. All math, science, geography, geology, biology, all those are God's creation, and He created them so that we could learn and know something about how He put the world together. And so wisdom is really... Learning God's Word and what He's telling us, gaining knowledge through various activities, and weaving those in a fabric so that you can live life well. It's not easy to do, and it's, it's never over. So intellectual curiosity is one thing we try to teach the boys, that be intellectually curious, never stop learning, and never stop pursuing God's Word. Now, stature. Now, stature is actually, how we define it, is it's how you are caretaking yourself, your mind, your body, your intellect, your emotions. How are you caring for that? And we have a, um, we're, so growing up physically and being, being, caring for yourself physically is important, but part of that is caring for your character and learning what character is. So one of the things we did is uh, we, watched, we watched movies. And one of the movies that we ha is, has great discussion points behind it is Gladiator. I know it's a really strong Christian movie with pagans all over, no Christians in it. But, but Maximus has some great lessons. I mean, for one, he shows how to lead men, or at least you see him leading men, but you also see him following. He's fo he follows Marcus Aurelius, and he's obedient to Marcus Aurelius. And part of having character is not only learning to lead, but learning to follow. And then also, all those character qualities that you know and admire, talking about those, trying to build those into, into your kids, into your friends. Favor with God, we broke into solitude, community, and ministry. Solitude being the spiritual disciplines you do by yourself, like prayer like reading God's Word, like memorizing Scripture, those, uh, those uh, solitude, uh, solitary spiritual disciplines. And then community is community with other believers, community with yourself at church, being involved in corporate worship, but also being involved in people's lives. And one of the things that we tried to get our 
men to do, and we adopted the habit ourselves, is having what we called an accountability group. And in this accountability group, we would meet once a month, and we would just check up on each other. How are you doing in the five Fs? How are you doing in your faith? How are you doing with your family, with your friends, with your fitness, and with your finances? Now, that just happens, those five Fs happen to make, uh, there's, there's better words for them, but that, I wanted something that, was, that had a ring to it, so we chose those words. And we check up on those things. And, and it, is, it is so easy to fool your friends if you're not in their life day to day, but that process has been so helpful to me personally, and I've tried to get my boys to find friends that they can do that with, to encourage one another and sharpen each other. Um, so the last thing is uh, favor with man. And one of the things that we did as a family, uh, we, had, we had community worship at home, plus we had uh, corporate worship at church. But one of the things we talked about in favor with man is about the right relationship with people, the right relationship with your parents, how you're going to interact with your parents. Right relationship with your friends, your teachers, your boss, and your subordinates. And, having, and the Bible has a lot to say about all those things. But in our family, the siblings, what's the right relationship with your siblings? Now, siblings tend to fight sometimes. And when you have four boys, that can sometimes happen. But what we would tell them is, this guy right here that you're fighting with, that is your best friend. He is your family. He is, he is part of belonging. And you make him your best friend. That is your goal. Because someday, you know, all these friends you think are your buddies in the neighborhood, you probably won't remember some of their names. But this is your brother who will stand with you in adversity. So make sure that he is your best friend. And to this day, they are pretty good friends. And we, we had, actually this morning, we had our, um, I missed it because I was here, but we have a, a Zoom call. Now you can see each other at the same time on your computer and have a, a group meeting. So we had a conference call on Zoom this morning so that we can check up on each other and see how everybody's doing. Because one son is living between London and New York, one is living in Chicago, one's living in Virginia, and then Grayson is with us. He's still in high school. So the, the, um, the last thing that I wanted to share that we try to instill through, this, through the process of the journey to maturity or the journey to manhood is that uh, everybody is either giving or taking in every encounter they have, in every relationship and even a casual encounter. You're either giving a blessing or giving a curse. So how can you be a blessing? So think about in every word that you speak, every facial expression you give, or every touch, can you give a blessing? Can you give a blessing to the person that's waiting your table? Can you give a, a blessing to your sibling? Can you give a blessing to your spouse? Because each encounter, you're either taking or giving. And we have been greatly blessed. And just as Abraham, as it says in the Old Testament, he was blessed, his people were blessed, for what purpose? To be a blessing to the whole world. So, go out and be a blessing. Thank you. <laughs>